loves the Lord. Say amen. amen. Joshua and the third chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Amen. Joshua and the third chapter. glad for the church. I'm a local church man. I believe in the church. It's the only eternal thing in this world. There's the eternal saints, the eternal scriptures, and the eternal spirit. And if you're going to find any of those three, you got to go down to the church. And when you get down there, you find all three. I was thinking while they're singing, thank you, Brother Turner, for y'all being such a blessing. I've been preaching to your choir for 15 years. You know we need to do more than preach just to the choir sometimes. After 15 years. Tired of preaching to the choir. That's why I'm preaching to the choir. Thank y'all for coming. I took my dry cleaners to the dry cleaners today, and the dear lady, she's here tonight, and uh, she took my name, McNeese, and she said, What's your first name? Dean. She's right there. I didn't think that's what you would look like. <laughs> didn't you see it? I was just glad I'd traded my Bermuda shorts out for blue jeans and stud my cigar out right before I pulled in there. That'd have been a bad deal. I'd have just had to preach to the choir another 15 years. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Turner, for bringing them. They're always a blessing. Thank you, Brother Ezel. I'm going to say it again. I know I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again. We don't love on each other enough in the Baptist church. Y'all ought to thank God for your preacher. He's a special man. And if y'all act right around here in the next several years, God will let you keep him. And it won't take your candle away from out of his place. He's a real special man. Somebody said, well, you're going to blow his head up. You, you know, you need to get in another yard before you talk to me like that. Hey, 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 10 million people tearing down preachers. I ain't heard but two or three trying to encourage them. I don't want to give you the big head. I don't want to tell you what I want to give you. Better love on God's man. Amen. We don't worship men. We don't have a pope and we don't confess to a human priest. But you better love your preacher. I'm a church man. Brother Joe Parsons said, if you've got a shepherd and a flock, I don't care what you don't have, you're having church. And he said, I don't care what you do have over there. If you ain't got a shepherd and a flock, you ain't having church. 
That might mess up these big mega contemporary churches, huh? They ain't got a shepherd. They got ten co-elders and half of them's a woman. Help me right there. Y'all leave me alone. I got to do some preaching tonight. Y'all started this. Better leave me alone. Thank the Lord. Our Father, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for the men of God that have made it a priority to be here tonight and for all of God's people. They're your sheep. They're the reason that there are us preachers. That's why you made preachers because you love your people. You love your people. Now, our Father, help me tonight. Lord God, put blinders on my eyes, burnings in my heart, a guard around my foolish lips. And Lord, let me preach the word of God. And we'll love you and thank you for it. Help us, God, in ways we don't even know we need it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to comment on one more thing on the song that, uh, boy, it just bared down. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Many of you helped us last year on our mission trips. We'll mention maybe more about that sometime in the week. But one thing I've noticed, that in these countries I go to, they have beggars. America don't have any beggars. They got people out there holding signs and stuff, but they just need to get a job, and you know that's right. They're con artists. Only one out of a thousand truly needs help. Y'all know that's right. And, uh, and I'm willing to help that one. But we don't have beggars in this nation. I've never seen it. And there's beggars in Thailand, in, in Italy, in Albania, in Uganda, the places of the South America. I've been down in Peru, Central America, and everywhere. Brother Griffith, Brother Turner, there are beggars, children. Their parents will cripple them so they can get more pity. They'll cut a leg off. Hear me now. Their parents will cut an arm off, gouge an eye out, make it more pitiful, and put them kids out there. There are beggars in every country I've been to. But America, we've had some righteous forefathers. And people living on actual welfare in this country have more than most well-to-do people in those foreign countries. And the promise about begging bread was to the righteous man's children. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But old Lazarus may have to beg. He was a righteous man. But if he had any children, I promise you, they were not beggars. <laughs> I may have already run and y'all missed it. That's how. <sighs> a righteous man will go through a lot of things sometimes. He won't never be forsaken. But God's going to notice his children. That righteous man's children, they may not even act right. 
But there's a covenant on them. I wish I had somebody. And it may wear out after they're gone, but there's a covenant on them. You read your Old Testament, the many things God would not do because of me and your daddy, he said. He'd wait until that generation passed to bring judgment. Y'all ain't helping me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There ain't no beggars in this country yet. We're fixing, we fixing to see it. And a lot more. And that's why our children need us to have revival. America's not going to have revival. God ain't interested in the nation having revival. But the church can have revival. The churches in America can have spiritual revival. Y'all looking for America to give up her sin, honey. She ain't going to do it. But the church can have revival. And with what's coming to our children, our churches better have revival. And I want to preach along them lines. Joshua chapter 3, are you there? I don't have a good title. I can't ever think of one. I wait till afterwards and people give me a good title then. <laughs> a little too late to tell you what it was, but you, you'll know after the service a good title. I'm in Joshua 3, but I tell you what I always bring. I always bring a good text. Amen. 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 You title your own sermon. I don't know what God's going to preach to you. Joshua 3 and verse 3. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. This is an exciting chapter. This is a blessed book. Joshua, Jah. Shehua and Jesu, they both mean Jehovah saves. Joshua is the Hebrew name and Jesus is the Greek name and they're the same name. The, the Old Testament Joshua is a glorious picture of the New Testament Jesus. And I'm here to preach Christ. Can't think of anything better. And uh, this ark, it's picked up and it's on the move and it's a glorious day. Now, you preachers pray for me tonight. I've never preached this message and I've never heard most of my sermons. <laughs> I hear them when, after I've preached them. And I've never preached this and that's exciting to me. We'll see what the Lord says. And this ark, they're picking it up and they're on the move. And that ark is the presence of God. Say amen right there. That ark is his presence. And I'll get into that in just a minute. But here's what I want to say. That God was on the move. His presence and his power. His presence and his power was on the move. And I want to stop and thank God if you've ever known anything about a move of God. If you would ask me to define revival. There are a hundred definitions coming out of a hundred different burdens of what a revival is. But if you used to ask me, I would say it like this. This may be simple, but it's profound to me. 
It's a moving of God. If God ever moves in a church, then you've had revival. If God ever moved in your life, you had revival. If God, His presence ever showed up and moved, God moved through a place, a community, a town, then they've had revival. If God's ever moved in your family, woo, then y'all have had revival. Had a little testimony last night that got me stirred up over here about where he had that boy just a year ago, but now he's got him in the choir and in the prayer room, amen. And, and, and that's revival. And there are some revivals that are so monumental the whole world sees them and calls it a revival. But there are some revivals where the Lord moved and nobody even ever knew it. Woo! One little old soul somewhere. God moved in their life. And that's a bigger revival to that soul as anybody anywhere. Hallelujah. Oh my. We need revival. Now you listen to the revival experts, be careful about it. The boys writing books about revival and giving lectures about revival, they ain't having it. I ain't never seen a man who is a self-proclaimed expert and writing on and telling everybody about revival, never seen them have it. I've seen them explain it away and over-explain and then explain things that they didn't even know they was talking about. Your first, I guess I'm just going to, have to take my time, Pastor. Your first revival that you see in the Bible that happened outside the Jewish economy, as far as a large scale revival, was when Jonah went to Nineveh. And I'm sorry, that revival right there, what? How many, how many millions got saved in that Assyrian capital? Was there 600,000 children? The last verse tells it, or 600,000, how many adults? And it breaks up all your formulas for revival. You know, they have these formulas. You got to pray, and you got a Second Chronicles 7, 14, which was a promise to Israel if they ever apostatized. And they got all these things, what you got to do. Honey, that revival, when it happened with a preacher who didn't want it, there was not one person in the world praying for it. Nobody there deserved it. Come on, help me now. Some of us have been preaching so long, we're smarter than God. Telling him how this thing works. Let me tell you something. You don't know how it really worked the last time it worked, and you ain't going to be able to predict how it's going to work the next time it works. And that's the truth. Jesus come off that man of transfiguration and told them three boys who slept through it and then interrupted their way through it and then he told them don't even tell nobody about it. <laughs> Woo! There's some things too precious and too personal. You just can't tell it. And it'd almost be a crime to try. <laughs> so quit telling people about how H-O-W and use them same three letters and just switch them around start telling them about who I don't like all these how boys 
I just don't, Brother Griffith. I don't like all these guys. How? Seven ways, how? Five keys, how? Four keys. It ain't helped you none. I've been noticing. It's a whole generation eat up with their own ego and they all know how. Well, honey, I ain't never knowed how, but I did meet a who. Woo! I know about a who. And I don't know how he does half of what he does, but he sure is good at doing it. My generation wants to know how on everything. But they don't want to know who. Because you got to bow before him. And you got to talk about your sin with him. They don't want to talk about their sin. They want to talk about how everything works. Oh my, thank the Lord. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. It's so easy to preach in here tonight. Y'all going to have to tell me when you're done. Y'all just start easing out somewhere around something 30 and then I'll just go with you. We'll go to Waffle House. <laughs> Four things. Let me tell you what I want to say. Uh, uh, and and, and I, half of you are taking notes and the other half of you are taking mental notes. And Here's what I want to talk about. If you want to write this down and I want to, mm, mm, I want to, well, I don't know if I should give it away or not. Let's talk about some things here. This is an introduction. I actually brought one of them tonight. The ark is Christ. I'm going to talk about this ark. And it's on a little journey. And by the way, the, and, and mm, I shouldn't start preaching some of this. I'll be, that ark got them through the wilderness. Isn't that something? God was merciful to a bunch of people. That, that, that was in bad shape. They were disobedient and carnal, but they were his. And there were some things that they never got. That 40-year generation, they never got in the promised land. But there's also some things they never got because they were his. They never got forsaken. God loves all his children, even his bad ones. And there's some things they're going to miss out on. But he still feeds them every day. Y'all ain't helping me. He does. And he protects them from the enemy. And he goes before them in the day by cloud and in the night by fire. And he'll answer some of their prayers that ain't even good prayers. Help me now. That ark got them through the wilderness. Anybody ever here lived in a backslidden, in a carnal condition, in a, in a disobedient condition? Did you ever notice the Lord never did leave you? You wandered around in circles and wasted those days and you lost some things, but did you notice that he never did forsake you? That ark is Christ. It's a picture of Christ. I only want to dwell here maybe about three minutes. It's not my burden tonight because these Bible students in the building know we could preach on the ark being a type of Christ. We could preach that till the sun come up. 
And I know Paul preached one night all night, but I ain't Paul. I ain't going to try it, not just yet. That ark, I just want to say a couple things about it. It was the meeting place, Exodus 25, and there I will meet with you. And Christ is where we meet with God. He's our mediator. It was a mercy place. Blood was poured on that lid to cover that broken law. And it was the mercy seat. That's what it was called, the mercy seat. And it was a manifestation place. That's where that's the kind of glory God in his essence and his eternal presence. I don't understand that. God came down and, and hovered over that. And he hovered over that mercy seat. And that was where he manifested his visible presence in their midst. And so that's, that's Christ. And the bottom half was made out of wood enclosed. And the top half was pure gold. And uh, that's our Savior. That's his humanity. And that's his deity. On the bottom was his mama's side, that wood. On the top was his father's side, that gold. The old theologian, Brother Turner, said that God is 100% man very man as if he were nothing but man. And yet Jesus, not only 100% man, Jesus was 100% God as if he were nothing but God and said he's the only 200% being you know. <laughs> Woo. Yes. And that, that's, that's that wood and that gold. And do you remember this is another sermon for another day but it's gonna poke its head and make a little honorable uh, appearance for just a second. You remember when them men pulled that lid off? The men of Bethshemesh, they pulled they pulled that lid off, and God killed about everybody in everybody in the county. That's the sin of our generation. They're wanting to strip the godhood from Jesus and make him just a man. And while I'm there, all these Hollywood movies about Jesus making me sick to my saved stomach. Last night there's another note. I was in a big church that put up screens and, went, and is going halfway contemporary. By the way, when you go halfway contemporary, that's half sewage, half water. I ain't drinking, ain't drinking out of your bottle. Low down stinking reprobate, last day apostate outfit. They had screens up on the big screens. And, and then they're showing these visuals while the choir was singing. And they, and they had a big thing, the passion. You remember Mel Gibson, uh, that dirtied the air, didn't it? That stuff, I'm sorry I said it. But you remember that, the passion of Christ, so they said. And there, and there they had up on that screen, there was Mary and there was, there was that actor. And I'm not even gonna say this word. That woman was, I, I have to tell you after church what kind of actress she was and what kind of film she made. Do you understand? And they got her picture up there and some, some effeminate Hollywood actor up there in the church on the walls. If you got screens on your walls, you do whatever you, do whatever you want to do. I, 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 and I got some friends who do and they're still my friends. But I have told them and I've told my friends and they're still my friends. They're nice, must be. But I've said to them, the last time we've seen handwriting on the wall, God is fixing to judge the nation. 
you got people that ain't willing to get the book in their hand, they ain't, probably ain't got the book in their heart. I'm sorry, that's me. I'm old timey. I'm not looking for friends. I'm looking for crowns. And that's the, and I'm, that's the truth. I said, I'm sorry, boys. The last time there's handwriting on the wall, God is fixing to judge the nation. He said, well, it's not the same. I don't know what it is or not. But I got news for you. We need that presence and that power of God. We don't need filth up on the screens. I got a fundamental problem with sight and visuals anyway. Did you ever notice Christmas never brought revival? Not in your church, not in your town, not in your family. Christmas ain't never been spiritual. I have a tree and I give my kids presents and then my wife gives them more presents than I wanted to give them. Help me now. I watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I ain't upset about them things. I'm just telling you that the church, y'all help me right here, the just shall live by faith. So then, and the entire church age operates on faith. Now how does faith come? So then faith cometh by. He said a wicked and adulterous generation is looking with their eyes for signs. Did you ever notice nothing you did to get object lessons? Is this Madeline? Easter plays. Christmas plays. And I think I had a Christmas play every Christmas. Just I wrote one one time. Christmas plays. God does not come to this generation through the eye gate. And all these drama teams and these dance teams and these visuals and all these plays. Do you know why the contemporary movement got to have all that stuff trying to get in through the eye gate? Because they quit preaching that Bible right there a long time ago and they, and they give up on the ear gate. Eyes go to your head, ears go to your heart. God's wanting to talk to you about things you can't see. You didn't see Calvary, but it happened. You can't see hell, but it's there. You didn't. You can't see the Son of God, but He's at the right hand of the Father. Satan will give you a lot to look at, just to keep you distracted from what God's trying to get you to hear, what He's trying to get you to believe. You can't see your sin. That's what He's wanting to talk to you about. He's wanting to get rid of it. He's wanting you to deliver you from it. He's wanting to forgive you of it. He's wanting you to cough it up and confess it. You ain't never going to see that. You're going to have to believe that. And I'm, I'm just for coming in here and being as simple as possible. Because anything else is a distraction. I'm glad there's just brick on the wall. I'm glad there ain't nothing there but three wooden crosses. 
and four white ones. Have you ever counted your crosses? Well, you got seven of them. I like that. That's, you may have already run and come back. Seven of them. That's the finished work of God. All right, let's talk about this text till y'all get tired of it. One of your boys want to bring me a little cup of water. Don't make the pastor get it. One of you men just bring me a little cup of water. Now, I'm fine, but I just mean I ain't never drank no water from Landrum yet. <laughs> Let's talk about this first and, <clears throat> and try to get to the second. And I got four of them here. Let's look in chapter 3, verse 3. I'm mindful that I've been up here 26 minutes. Aren't you glad I know that? Aren't you glad I know that? Isn't that, that's, that brings great comfort and consolation to many. Now ask me, is it going to influence how long? I'm sorry. I figured something out, young preachers in the building. The people that didn't want to hear preaching didn't come. Quit apologizing to people that ain't here. The people that want church came to church. The ark carried. Look in verse 3. The ark, the first time we see the ark in our picture here in our story tonight, in our scriptures tonight, it's carried. The ark carried. Can I say three things? See if I can say them real fast. That's what the Holy Ghost wants. Notice you see the cross in here. Look in verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it. Yeah. Underline that word, bear. Yeah. Y'all remember when the Philistines moved them, moved the, moved the Ark with, the, with a cart of oxen? And you remember when David tried that and it really didn't work for him? That's because God made this thing to be carried. The cross... Carrying Christ, carrying the gospel, carrying the ministry, carrying the old rugged cross, carrying the message, it fits on your shoulder. And I'm not beating a dead horse. Give me a little more volume or make me think I have more volume. Thank you, sir. And I'm not just beating a dead horse. But one of the big things that they promise Americans in these contemporary churches is... Uh, Ain't none of y'all got to carry none of this. We got a paid staff. And I'm going to throw this in while I'm standing here and I'm liable to lose personal friends now. You be real careful about paying everybody down there to do what they do at the church. It's just me. I may get in trouble right here. There's some old boy out there and he ain't got nothing but a lawnmower. But he wants to use it for God. There's somebody down there and they want to do something for God. Amen. We need to be real careful in this hour about all this paid staff. Amen. God's called the preachers to live off the altars. They ought to live off of the altars. Amen. We need to be real careful in our southern churches, everybody in the world and all them primary families getting paid. What ought to be a free will voluntary service down at the house of God. 
Amen. There's two or three little old ladies probably want to clean that church. Amen. If you'll get them hirelings out of the way, there'll be more God in your service on Sunday. Y'all ain't helping me. This thing fits on your shoulder. And all these mega churches, and they got all that paid staff. There's no commitment. There's no commitment. There's no price. There's, no, there's nobody under a burden. Come skipping your little worldly behind in here on Sunday morning, get you a little half-hour service, and then go live your American worldly lifestyle. We're paying people to conduct your Christianity down here. It's out of hell is what it is. The church, 1 Corinthians 12, every member in the body has been fitly supplied. We ain't got spirit-filled churches because we're paying everybody to, for our Christianity. About a half a dozen of you men about once every three months ought to walk over there to that parsonage and see what needs to be needed. And you ought to do it. And you ought to pat him on the back when you're done and say, Preacher, go get my grandkids out of hell. It is not reason that you should leave the word of God and serve tables. God bless you, sir. I know he's young and strong. He ought not mow his own yard. It ought to be a shame that ain't somebody in here loves God enough to go mow that yard. This thing ought to be on your shoulders. This bunch of whiny, self-centered, egotistic, social media, whiny brats, bunch of Americans. You treat your church like you treat your mama. Disrespectful. You're supposed to pick this thing up and get under the burden. The cross is to be carried. We don't got Americanized in our southern churches. Pay people, and that's why they have a bad attitude and come around and complain. That's why they raise sand in business meetings. Because everybody's paid and they're down there for a dollar and ain't down there for the Holy Ghost. Ain't down there for the Lord Jesus. He ain't told me nothing. I was with him all, I, I ate lunch with him yesterday, but he was with his father-in-law, so he couldn't talk. And I ain't seen him today. I don't need to talk to the pastor to know how to preach to the church. This sermon's going a lot slower here than it did in the bathtub. I preached it four times in the tub and it only took 30 minutes. <laughs> what about the next line? Underline it. And ye shall remove from your place. That's the cost. Yeah. You got to get under it. And then you got to leave your place. Y'all help me now. I'm telling you, when God is moving. All right, is that the text? When God is moving. 
You better get under the burden of this thing. <laughs> and when God is moving, you better be ready, not just for the cross, but for the cost. You got to remove from your place. I'm going to tell you why I'm standing here. Is it Brother Lancaster? It's great to see you, brother, and your family. I'm going to tell you why I'm standing here. It's because Mama said go when she could have said no. I was a church baby. (laughs) I may actually have to run. And in the late 60s, God was sweeping through the south. Y'all know that's true. How many great men you know got saved in the 60s and has carried a ministry through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And my daddy got on the altar. He was just a young Christian. A little wife and two babies, my older sister and me at the time. Mama was nine months with my brother Jason, who's pastoring in Maryland. All six of us kids in full-time ministry. Daddy was on the altar as one of his first revivals. His daddy was an old sorry drunkard. It was so bad, my dad never talked about it. I've heard the stories from other people. And tonight, my daddy won't talk to me about it. Let me tell you something. You've ever been around a bunch of drunken monsters? Hey, y'all, the good old days wasn't good to everybody. A lot of things took place in the back of the woods or on the other side of the tracks. And the good old days wasn't good to everybody. I'm going to tell y'all something. America ain't never been moral. She may have been religious. We had a thousand deists in our founding, a bunch of Masons and only about three Christians. You know that, don't you? Don't get too carried away. Everybody talked about God, our fathers, but only two or three knew Jesus. Huh, maybe kind of like why we're acting like we're acting in that. Everybody talking about God, but ain't nobody knows Jesus in this country. We may not be that far removed from what we were in our birth as y'all. We may have been a little egocentric just because God used us for a couple of real special things. He used, the, uh, he used America to take care of the church and take care of Israel. But I've seen him use Pharaoh too to get glory. It's one of the first revivals. And my daddy got on the altar. And he said, Lord, and he's talking like a young Christian, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Junior, I want you to go to Mexico. Monday. Dad said he nearly had a heart attack. He didn't know God had come talk to you like that. Well, it was Frank Rosser, an old missionary from Mexico. (laughs) He was was a missionary before there was a BIMI, and he helped start BIMI. And the way Frank Rosser tells it, 
was that he had a big missions trip to Mexico. They were leaving Monday, and his main speaker had got sick and canceled. And he saw my daddy on the altar, a young preacher. And the Holy Ghost told him, you go down there and tell him that he's the man for the job this next Monday to go preach that three-week missions trip. So it went like this. My daddy, who had never prayed that prayer before, it was one of his very first church revivals to sit in. He was just a member. He said, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. Amen. <laughs> I heard somebody say the other day, to God, time is nothing, but timing is everything. Amen. <laughs> I want you to go to Mexico. <laughs> well, y'all, there's not much gray area right there, is there? I really don't know why you got to pray about that 10 seconds more. Lord, I'll go here. I want you to go to Mexico. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he done like this. And he walked back there where my mama was sitting. And he told her what just happened. Did I mention she was nine months? And a word came out of her mouth. It rhymes with no, but it starts with G. And that was the beginning of their sacrifice to remove from their place. And I, and, and I think, and, and on that trip to Mexico, they met him, a bunch of Western preachers, and asked him to come to Idaho. And in Idaho, they asked him to come to Missouri where he had a great ministry. And it just went from there. Because I had a mama who said, go. She must not have been listening to Ellen DeGeneres, Hillary Rodham, Clinton, Jane Fonda. Who else are we mad at? I don't even watch to. I don't know who to be mad at. Who y'all want to be mad at? Yeah, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. I'm glad I had a godly mama. You know what I think? And I believe this in my soul. I believe this in my soul. When mama said go, And Daddy said, I will. God said, I, th I think I'll go. Okay, I think I'll go. I think I'll go through the next 40, 50 years and just go ahead and roll out a carpet. And I'm going to go ahead and take care of your children and your grandchildren. Some of y'all told God no, and he's had to just stop and look at you and figure out what to do with you now. But some of you said to God, we'll go. And God said, I'll go first. I'll go before you. And I'll prepare the way. And you remove from your place and you're coming to my place. I'll go. It's all them years you stood with the men of God. Two of them. It's why your son's filled with the Holy Ghost right. and why your son-in-law's filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You better believe that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
This is generational. This is generational. You boys don't even know what happened to you. There's some folk went before you and said, God, we'll go. The Lord said, I'll go first. I'll kill everything in front of you. I'll bring mountains down and valleys up just enough for you to cross them. Brother Turner, you're two big old boys in that service with you the other night. You got more than that? Well, then them two boys, nobody's ever going to see her. <laughs> and you're sitting there, and the pastor told me later, yeah, they came just because they wanted to. They wanted to come with their daddy. There wasn't nothing going on. They just came with their daddy. <laughs> Amen. Staying with the daddy. <laughs> In an hour where the young people are going. They're going to the slime pits of Sodom, the hell holes of Egypt. They're going down the path of Korah. In the way of Cain after the era of Balaam. They're going everywhere that Satan will lead them. There, when God's a moving, you've got to consider the cross. And it's heavy. That thing's made out of wood, but there's gold on it. I'm back to my first sub point. Under that cross. It's made out of wood, but it's covered with gold. Hey, y'all, this thing's made out of a cross, but if you'll pick it up, you'll find out there's gold on it. There's gold on it. Oh, it's a heavy cross. That's going to be a heavy cross, Sister Chandler. You put that mama in the grave same day you put that daughter in the grave. But that opened up a quilting room. Opened up a heart for orphans. And now you, you ain't just sending quilts. God's sending you. Oh, and you got under that cross. But God's got a way of dipping them heavy crosses in gold. <laughs> Took one daughter and going to give you a nation full of daughters. Who ain't got no mamas. There's more orphans in Albania. You know, you know why there's orphans in Albania? Their mom and daddy take them down there and sell them for $30. Somebody gets stinking Bernie Sanders and all the Democrats and half the Republicans and all these spoiled brats in the colleges... Get them over here. Let's take them to Albania. Let me show you what communism does. Amen. I'm sorry I done slipped up and called names. (laughs) Let me take them over here and show you what communism does. Atheism, communism. If you need a heart, you need a liver, you need a lung. You get a sack of cash, you fly into Albania, you find the nearest orphanage. By the next day, you'll have what you need, and there'll be a little grave out back for them little orphans. That daughter's waiting on you in heaven, but see, God's arranged it where you're going you're gonna to bring her a bunch of little spiritual sisters. Oh, yeah. In that thousand year yeah. reign. Amen. 
Yeah. You're going to say, hey, daughter, yeah. the Lord took you early, but look why he yeah. wanted all these. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. You know why we don't know much about the millennial reign? Because he wanted you to do this for him. Amen. Not for the stuff that's coming. Amen. But you ain't going to believe the rewards that are coming. <laughs> don't you think, preacher? He said, I'm going to reward you a hundredfold in the life to come. Y'all have no idea what he's got waiting on those. Anything that he ever took from you or you ever gave to him. If you let him take it or you wanted him to have it, in that thousand years, he's going to repay you, honey, in ways you can't dream of. Not really sure why y'all caught up in your little silly American dream. I got a thousand year. I got a thousand year dream coming. Oh my. Look at the last thing it says. And go after it. That's the cause. The cause. David left his father and left the flock and said, Boy, there's a cause. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And go after it. My, my. I like to find brethren who are going after it. They're, they're following after God. I gave up having friends. I was a teenage preacher boy. The worldly kids just make fun of you and the other kids it was just awkward. To be full of the Holy Ghost. At 13. <laughs> and I gave up worrying about friends and I made me a friend. And we took a little journey and guess what? We walked into a room one day and he said, here, I got some more boys that love me. Here, here's some friends. <laughs> I said, hey, what y'all doing? He said, same thing you're doing. Y'all want to do it together? Yeah, let's do it together. Okay. Woo! How'd you like to talk to David's mighty men? I bet they loved each other. I bet they enjoyed each other. Oh my. That's the cause. That's the cause. And go after it. Let me tell you something, friends, tonight. If somebody starts seeking God, if somebody starts seeking for God with all your heart, if you go after it. I don't feel burdened to preach that thought out. I want to show you this. How y'all doing? It's 827. What do y'all think about that? What do y'all think about that? I mean, I'm checking in with you. Y'all doing all right? Can I close now? Can I close by showing you the other things? I don't think I'm going to preach them but I want to show them to you. Watch this. That's the ark carried. Now I done preached 27 minutes and then 27 minutes. Can I show y'all the ark crossing? I just want to make a comment. I don't think I'm going to get delve into it, but I'm going to show you something beautiful. The crossing of the ark. Chapter 6, you got the circling of the ark. 
and the conquering of the ark. Let me show you this. What did they do when they stepped down in that water? You see that chapter 3? And look at verse 16. When you step in. He said when he gets in that, when he gets in that Jordan and it was flood time. He said if y'all step in, God's going to bring you over. I'm going to say something about God moving. When God's moving. Just go ahead and get on in the Jordan. Amen. Amen. It's a baptism. Do you know this is the same place where Jesus went to be baptized? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. There's a cross in here. I want you to watch this. When they stepped in, what does it say? And it just happens to be 316. <laughs> And the last time the ark is mentioned in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 3.16. Yeah, them 3.16s are jumping up on us. And when Jesus got in the water with John, I believe that was Matthew 3.16. And it was all hidden. Y'all know it was for John 3.16. But here we got a 316. And I want to talk about the ark. Crossing. When they stepped in, that water rolled all the way back to a city named what? Adam. And went all the way down to where? To what sea? The Dead Sea. And I want to say there's a little picture of Calvary right here. Let's go ahead and call it a big picture of Calvary. That when our Savior stepped in them death waters, he reached one arm back to Adam and the other arm down to death. Y'all ain't helping me. That Dead Sea, I preached it here last year, another sermon on the Jordan. That Dead Sea is the lowest spot on planet Earth. And it's dead. They say you can float in it. They say a fat man can float in it. I told all my fat friends about that. We're going to float in that one day. Some of you are just left out of this thing, skinny people. We don't even like skinny people. Y'all tell the truth. Jesus reached one arm back to Adam. The other arm down to the lowest spot of death. Somebody tell me the preacher's name that uh, builds the tabernacles and hangs around, Moxel hangs around Harold Sightway's place. The old preacher. Brother Moxley. Brother Moxley took me up and showed me that tabernacle he's building up in North Carolina at a Bible camp. And you know what he told me about the Dead Sea? You know what he told me about the Dead Sea? He said he was in Israel last year and said There's, the Dead Sea is rising. And they don't know what to do about it. They're, they're, they're puzzled. They don't know how to say it. They've, they've located 26 freshwater springs that have kicked in underneath. I need a little help right here. I'm back to my thousand years happy bubbles now. The Dead Sea's got fresh water coming in. 
God's the one that killed it and made it dead. That's where the five cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were. You know what a man told me the other day? He said, you always just got to scream about sodomites to get your crowd riled up. That's what he said to me. That's a preacher too. A contemporary boy. I made him mad. He said, you, all you, you just scream about a sodomite get your crowd riled up. Yeah, for one, that's not true. And then for two, I asked, are you sympathizing with sodomites? Are you on their side? Are you upset that people preach against that? Are you a sodomite? I was using deductive, logical, conclusive reasoning. I said, when I open my Bible, I don't get too many chapters. God killed five cities of them. And I said, in the last second of page of my Bible, he's still a killing them, tossing them into hell. I said, I may continue to scream about sodomites, sir. I said, what, what gets a rise out of you? Oh, we didn't enjoy that barbecue. No, we didn't enjoy that barbecue. Aren't you glad our Savior went over there and reached all the way up to Adam? I'm not a Calvinist. He got everybody's sins. He reached all the way down to the last soul that would ever have the last heartbeat and the last breath of air. And he gathered them all up. And he let us cross over at the cross-ing. And he showed up some thousand years later and he himself walked down in that Jordan and he reached all the way up and all the way down and he got all of our sins. Let's go a little further. How about that arch circling? Go to chapter six. What did it do with that arch? It's verse two and verse three. I want to show you all this. This is the ark compassing. We've seen the ark is Christ. Amen. We've seen the ark carried. We've seen the ark crossing. Amen. Let's talk about the ark compassing. Yeah. I'm going to say something. Y'all better help me now. For six days, they walked around in circles while the world looked down on them. Yeah. Y'all ain't helping me for 6,000 years.